Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. More Democrats are pushing back against President Biden's plan to end Title 42 next month. That includes Biden ally Senator Chris Coons. Coons said he hoped that the administration can reconsider the decision to lift Title 42. Uh, my hope is that that will be reconsidered appropriately. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there are both Republicans and Democrats calling for a reconsideration. Under Title 42, Border Patrol can deport illegal aliens quickly for public health reasons related to the pandemic. The Biden administration is terminating this Trump-era policy beginning May 23rd. Yet more Democrats are joining Republicans in opposing the move. Senator Gary Peters said that the plan to end Title 42 should be revisited and perhaps delayed. And five Democrat senators co-sponsored a bipartisan bill to temporarily block the lifting of Title 42. Border security is shaping up to take center stage in the upcoming midterm elections. This as lawmakers warn that rolling back Title 42 would have catastrophic consequences for the U.S. That is in terms of both national security and domestic safety. Tens of thousands of illegal immigrants pass through the southern border undetected on a monthly basis. And some of those apprehended in recent months, many of those have been on the FBI's terrorist watch list. We spoke to former Texas congressman and retired lieutenant colonel in the Army, Alan West. Here's what he had to say. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. It's my pleasure to be with you, Steve, and hopefully you had a blessed resurrection uh, weekend. You as well, and thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Lieutenant Colonel, the, the U.S. detained a record number of illegal immigrants on its southwest border last, uh, last month, with arrest numbers reaching the highest point in two decades. What does it look like once Title 42 is lifted? Well, once Title 42 is lifted, you'll see an explosion of those numbers. And the fact that we have just seen that record number above all the previous other record numbers means that the fact that Joe Biden and the Biden administration has announced lifting Title 42, you're already starting to see that flood. But not just the fact that we have this incredible uh, boost in numbers, we also are finding out that we're getting more people that are on the terrorist watch list. As a matter of fact, uh, the recent report has about 23 members of the terrorist watch list that were re recently apprehended. The bottom line is that we see a Biden administration that is undermining the sovereignty of the United States of America, the sovereignty of the state of Texas, and really and truthfully, they're in violation of the Constitution which is Article 4, Section 4, which says the federal government is supposed to provide to every state in the union protection from invasion. That's what's happening. We have millions that are coming across our border now. Now, you're based out of Texas. Uh, you've spent quite a bit of time on the border. I've been there before uh, with you. Um, what is the morale of the Border Patrol right now? Well, I think you've seen some of the video clips, and not just the Border Patrol, but also our Texas National Guard. They don't feel like they're doing their mission, their duties and responsibilities. As a matter of fact, all they're doing is corralling up these individuals and turning them over to a government-supported, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, uh, 
Catholic Charities One. There's another one through the uh, Lutheran Ministries program. And what they're doing, they're the ones that are processing these illegals. And then in turn, they get put on buses, planes, and other uh, means by which they can uh, leave the state of Texas and go elsewhere. Or they are just funneled uh, to other cities here in the state of Texas. And that's something that we have seen on many reports of these individuals showing up at these NGOs and then getting taxi cabs that are taking them uh, wherever they uh, seek to go. Why do you think Democrats, including elected officials along the, uh, the southern border, such as Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas, are break breaking ranks uh, with the, the vast majority within their party over this issue? Well, I will tell you, hats off to Henry Cuellar. I served with him in Congress back some years ago, about a decade ago. And he is truly a conservative Democrat, what we used to call the old blue dogs. And he realizes that this is an important issue to his constituents. When you look at the drug trafficking crisis that we have, the human and sex trafficking crisis. Henry Cuellar is a representative from the state of Texas, and the state of Texas is the number one state in the United States of America for human and sex trafficking. The top two cities in the country is for sex trafficking, Houston and Dallas respective, respectively, and nothing is being done. And so Henry Cuellar does not support this open borders policy, which the progressive socialist left has pushed upon the Biden administration. So hats off to him, and that's why he has a very far left uh, challenge and he's in a runoff against her coming up uh, next month. Just to put things into perspective, for those who don't follow this issue that closely and may think it, it's being hyper-politicized, the drugs, the cartels, the human trafficking, all of these issues that stem from the southern border, these things could be drastically reduced with some slight tweaking of policy. Is it as simple as that? Yes, it is. Uh, as a matter of fact, we saw the Remain in Mexico, which the Biden administration is refusing to adhere to, and many of the other things from the previous administration. We did not have this uh, issue along our border. We had curtailed it. We were starting to uh, construct a physical barrier, a border wall that would aid uh, the efforts that we see down there with other means, uh, electronic surveillance and things of that nature on the ground. But every city in the United States of America is a border city. Every county is a border county. And why do I say that? The number one killer of Americans right now, 18 to 45, is fentanyl. Where does fentanyl come from? It comes from China. And it's shipped over to the transnational narco-criminal terrorist organizations that we call the cartels, who are really the ones in charge of all the border zones. The, the governors over there in Mexico, they're not in charge of anything. They take their orders from the cartels or else they'll find themselves with their head sitting in their lap. Former Texas Congressman and retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, thank you. My pleasure. The U.S. economy is in flux and experts are forecasting a possible recession. What might that mean for the tech industry moving forward, a sector that has shown remarkable strength in the markets? While our next guest wrote the book, Your Data, Their Billions, and explores one of the dark sides of big tech and how they're making billions from people like you and I without us even knowing it. Here's a look at our interview with author Jane Hoffman. Jane Hoffman, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, there are multiple areas where people are pushing back on big tech. You have censorship, you have the effects that it has on children. Then one that you uh, have to really, you know, that you've dug deep into is uh, in your book, is the issue of privacy. And how might one's privacy be at stake when it comes to all of these big tech companies? Well, I think people have a different notion of privacy today. Privacy may, may mean something to me, but it might mean something very different to maybe a 15-year-old. And unfortunately, privacy is becoming a luxury good. 
So what's happened is your data, every time you type something in on your computer, you search for something, or you're on your phone, you're actually being tracked. You're leaving breadcrumbs and a trail so that you can be found because you're the product. That's how it works. You're the product. So nothing you do is private. There are about 2,000 bits of information that big tech has on you. Right now, nobody probably knows exactly where you are, what medications you take, your sexuality, what you buy online. But, but you know who knows? Big tech knows. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty scary. Um, now, are all of these companies, whether it's big tech, social media, uh, credit card companies, etc., sharing data behind the scenes to establish uh, these types of profiles on people? All these companies are buying and selling your data. So it's shared, but there's a cost associated with it. So because it's your data, they're making billions off of it. So there's what's called a data broker. So every time you're doing something online, they're buying that piece of information. So say you want to buy snow boots. They know algorithmically people who want to buy snow boots are also looking for mittens, and they'll send you ads for mittens. And what's happened is, we live in what's called a filter bubble. So you only see things that reinforce your current behavior. And politically, we may think of it as the splinter net rather than the internet, because people are being divided by their behavior and their online activities. So you may have just answered this, but uh, why is the data so important to them? That's how they make their money. They make their money on advertising and selling the data. So they make their money not through a subscription model, but through owning your data and selling it. Now, if you're an EMT and you're having a heart attack, you want that data widely available so someone can save your life. But if the EMT is selling that data to a tabloid, you might not want that. We're spending about four hours and 23 minutes a day, a third of our day, on the phone. That's vastly different than five years ago. And how does this, what does this prognosticate for the future? Are we gonna be just living in a metaverse, which is what Facebook would like, so that we're communicating to each other online with these personas that we create? So it's about business now. Uh, could this level of tracking and information lead to something much more totalitarian uh, with a flip of the switch? It could, depending on who that information is shared with. So you have to think really long and hard about how much you want your information online. I propose a couple of things. One thing I propose is kind of an NPR of Google that has no buying and selling of your data. I call it Google, and it would be like the PBS of search. So you wouldn't get ads, and you could search for things without your data being bought and sold. Now, are we seeing anything in terms of that, you know, totalitarian angle in countries that have a certain amount of advanced technology and infrastructure that have really been uh, data focused, such as China, and how might they be using uh, malevolently uh, the data of their citizens? Well, I think there's a different social contract in China than there is in the U.S. In the U.S., we have a different social contract. We have a sense of privacy. And in China, you have to assume that everything you do online, the government knows, and it's the government's business. Jane Hoffman, author of Your Data, Their Billions. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.